For those who had just tuned in a bit late, uh, for the last two months, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer and it's very powerful. Um, so I've been through a number of points in there and the, this morning I'm coming down to the last one. But this is James 5.16. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And it talks about Elijah, how Elijah was a man with a nature just like us and he prayed and the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. Then he prayed three and a half years later and opened the heavens. But the interesting part of this verse, it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We have over our years of being married and in ministry seen incredible answers to prayer, but not always straight away. Quite often between the time when you pray and you see the manifestation of the answer, it can be a long, long time. This building being for, for, for one of them. But here are some thoughts about prayer in introduction. Number one, prayer needs to be persistent. Be persistent in your prayer. Don't quit. Keep coming. Because your prayer doesn't get answered today, does not mean that you don't pray that prayer again. We are looking for miracles in our life, Lynn and myself, and we pray certain things every day. Be persistent. Persistence pays off. Number two, be passionate. Be passionate when you pray. Express your heart to God. Let God hear the urgency of your spirit. Be passionate. Number three, be purposeful when you pray. You know, when we live our life and we're living a certain way and we are lining ourselves up with God, we can be very purposeful when we pray. John spoke about thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If you like your kingdom come, your will be done. And uh, it's like when you begin to, the more and more you can align yourself with God, the more you are gonna see answered prayer. It's 1 John 5, 14, it says, now this is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that uh, we, we, we have the confidence that He'll answer our prayers. 1 John 5, 14. Prayer can be powerful and should be. Yeah. Romans 8.26 talks about the Holy Spirit making intercession for us according to the will of God. So it is like letting God take over in our prayer and letting God hear the cry of our heart. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. It's an amazing thing because, you know, I can pray on my own or I can pray in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And when I pray in partnership with Him, do you know what? Prayers are gonna be answered. Yes. Yep. Prayer needs to be prevailing. It's like, you know, when you're praying, sometimes it's like a battle. It's like there's a struggle going on and somebody's gonna win this. Either I'm gonna win or sickness is gonna win. Either I'm going to win or poverty is going to win. 
Either I'm gonna win or the devil is gonna win. But when you learn to stand in prayer, it's like you become stronger. And I've seen this happen. I have seen God work amazing miracles because I've had to learn to stand in prayer because at times there's been nothing else to do. The last message I did was lead us not into temptation. I explained that God does not lead us into temptation, but sure as anything, the devil will. Lead us not into temptation. We don't have to be led into temptation because Jesus was already led into temptation by the Spirit of the Lord and He beat the devil, Matthew chapter 4, at every point. So we no longer have to do that. We don't have to be led into temptation. But the reality is, is that from time to time, we will be tested. Your faith will be tested. Your relationships will be tested. The integrity of your faith will be tested. Young people, I've got great news for you. You're gonna get tested. Mums and dads, I've got great news for you. Because you have children, you will be tested. But God will and does allow us to test, to, uh, I said that God will and does allow us to be tested, but the good news is that testing often pre- precedes promotion. So last week we spoke about lead us not into temptation. This week I want to spend the next 20 minutes saying, talking about this, deliver us from evil. In the Our Father it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I wanted to say this, evil is a reality. Has anyone watched The Sound of Freedom? Evil is a reality on the earth. I want to give you a bit of a definition of evil. It's a force that causes bad things to happen. This is out of the Oxford Dictionary. It's a force that causes bad things to happen. It also means morally bad behaviour and the eternal struggle between good and evil, the forces of evil. You can't pretend there's no evil in the world. It's the opposite of good. This is actually out of the Oxford Dictionary, those exact words. From dictionary.com, evil means morally wrong, immoral or bad, wicked. And we do see some wicked things happen on the earth. And we happen, it happens because there is a force of evil. It's the spirit realm. It is the, it is the devil. It is the demonic realm. I remember when I went to one of the uh, things that was happening, one of the meetings that was happening during the shutdown. And I remember talking to a non-believer who was becoming a believer and he talked about the reason he was coming, uh, becoming a believer was because he saw the evil that was happening around about him. Yeah. You could also say that it is a force. Evil is a force. It is an act or it is a state of being. I'll give you some scriptures. 
in Genesis chapter 2, 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of evil was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That is Genesis chapter 2, 9. A little bit further on, in verse 15, the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Genesis chapter 2.15. That's the origin of death on the earth. God gave that instructions. You know what man did. It's like, I was thinking, what was God thinking? Whenever you say to someone, don't do that, what do they do? Is this right? It's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? We could have a massive discussion as to why God allowed the tree to be there in the garden in the first place. But we know what happened. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So this was written 2,000 years ago. If those days were evil, I think we've got some challenges now. Here's another one, very important, Isaiah 5.20, which also describes the time I believe that we live in now. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. What I see around us now is this shift that is happening in our culture over the last season where people are now calling good evil and uh, calling good evil and evil good. So the prayer says, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all. I want to give you some points that'll really help you understand this. Do you want to pray it? Let's, Let's just stand and pray the prayer. Let's pray the Our Father together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I'm just speaking on that particular line. You can be seated now. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Number one, first thought, we have already been delivered from evil. The world has evil forces in it. By the way, not everything about the world is bad. There's good and bad. There's good and evil. But at times the evil that is in the world wants to influence us. And here the Word says in Colossians 1.13, we've been delivered. It says we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light or into the kingdom of His dear Son. This is the amazing thing that happens internally 
when we become Christians, that there is a translation. It says we have been translated. In other words, we've been moved, we've been repositioned. And the Word says we've been delivered. Do you wanna say that after me? We've been delivered. We've been repositioned. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. That's a good thing that happened. And for me, that happened on our honeymoon. That was when we really, Lynn and myself really made that decision. Now, something powerful happens the minute you receive Christ. But there is always a tendency to want to go back to the way that you were. I found that. You know, I was raised in church, it was a good life, but I wasn't a Christian. I was doing all the other stuff. And then all of a sudden, I became a Christian. And I remember, I knew something had happened, but there was this pull that was pulling me back. And you know, this is something that we're all gonna experience. It's this pull back into the old life. Deliverance is a very powerful word. And the first account of deliverance in the Scripture is where God delivered the people of Israel uh, through the Red Sea into the land of the wilderness. And for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. But do you know what? They often wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to living under oppressors because they were secure there. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, uh, they had their heart, instead of having their heart set on purpose and destiny, they had their heart set on survival. And you know, when we are delivered, free, translated, when we've become a Christian, we are now part of a new kingdom, but there's always this pullback. Number one, I want you to know it this morning that we have already been set free. We've already been delivered. The devil is no longer our problem. We just need to set our eyes on purpose. Number two, we need to learn to walk in the fullness of that deliverance. This has been a journey for me to learn to walk in the fullness of the freedom that Jesus has given us. I'm free to serve God. I'm free to worship God. I'm no longer intimidated by the things that held me back 20 years ago or 30 years ago. So we're learning to walk in the fullness of our freedom, the fullness of our deliverance. But our adversary, the devil, does not let go easily. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. It's an interesting verse, the Scripture, because when I think about the devil, the devil is a finite person. And you know, the reality is that He probably doesn't even know you. God knows you. But the other reality is, is that there is a demonic realm. There's a spirit realm that watches on. And it's like a roaring lion. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, 
or if you like, the demonic realm, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. I see people get trapped. I get to see people pulled into things, pulled in. And our prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of the ways I believe that we need to learn to walk in the fullness of that deliverance is to set your course. Set your course on God. Set your course on what God wants for you. Begin to, you know, uh, listen to what God is saying to you about your future. Because it's like there's always two voices. There's what God is saying and then there is, you know, the evil on the outside, that demonic realm that's trying to impress itself on the way that you think. Set your course, set your mind on serving God. Walk with Him, walk with Him, follow Him because the further you go, the more freedom you'll experience. Romans chapter 12, verse one, verse three, it talks about having our mind renewed and we need to continually work on our thinking because when our thinking doesn't line up with God, we become a prey. We become a target. You know, this is the way you win in life, in your mind, in your thinking. If we can start to think and agree with what God says about us, we're gonna walk in the freedom that God has won for us. A changed mind needs a changed life. And one of the hardest things for people is to change the way that you think because we've got patterns of thinking, ways of thinking, and sometimes those ways of thinking are blocking God out. So when we come back and we begin to, this is where, you know, Joy spoke about taking heed what you're listening to and how you listen. You know, uh, we need to be careful of that because the enemy, he wants to challenge the Word of God. You know, God said, don't eat of that tree. And straight away, the enemy came in and began to challenge what God had said. A changed mind needs a changed life. And as we allow God to change our mind and our heart, we learn to walk free from our past. You know, God doesn't partially want you to set free. Set you free. He wants to set you absolutely free. That's good. God wants to set you absolutely free. Amen. Wants to set you free from what other people think about you. Wants to set you free from the lies that you believe about yourself. Wants to set you free from intimidation. Man, that's been a big one for me, intimidation. And you know, the further I've gone, it's like all that just fallen away. But the answer is saying yes. You know, God wants to set us free. That's good news. Are you with me this morning or you're somewhere back there in the middle of the week? God wants us to set us free so that we can serve Him. 
God wants to set me free from my opinion of myself so that I can become a dynamic leader, a dynamic believer, a breakthrough believer, a son of the kingdom. Yes. So number one, we've already been delivered. Number two, we are learning to walk in the fullness of that deliverance. Number three, we are delivered not only because God loves us, but we are, deli- we are delivered for a divine purpose. We are delivered not only because God loves us, but we are delivered Wait, I'm getting a bit mixed up this morning. I'll have to clean the screen of my iPad. (laughs) We are delivered not only because God loves us, but for a divine purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, And this is not of your own doing, it's a gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And this is the part that I want you to hear. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's like God saved us for a purpose, for good works that He prepared beforehand. Now what we've got to do is press into Him and begin to find out what those good works are. God's got a job for you to do. And the job is not just coming to church. The job is the assignment that God has given you that He wants to use you in to change the world. So you are potentially a world changer. But most people settle for the status quo. There's no struggle there. But if God can change the way that we think, if He can change what we see in our mind, then we can start to see how the nations will change. God's given you a job. Do you know what, the clearer you can tell me what is the good works that God has prepared for you, the more likely you are to do them. But so often we haven't got that far. Well, I know, you know, that God wants us to have a good career and He wants us to be blessed and all that, but there is an assignment beyond what everybody else is doing. I found that since I started to follow God, man, He's taken me into some of the most amazing places. Do you know what? This is living the adventure. I've been to nations, been to Africa, Nigeria, that was an adventure. I've been to Papua New Guinea, that was an even bigger adventure. 
I've been into places and I've seen God move. Yes. Do you know what? We've got to get our mind out of the church. Yep. Don't quit coming to church. I like to see you. But start to think how God's going to use you. You need, here's some advice, a five-point plan on how you are going to change the world. This is what God wants. Start to dream big. Start to think bigger. Start to think about the good works that God has prepared for you. You know, we've been talking about Joshua and, you know, Joshua stood at the land, looking over the land, over the River Jordan, and the Lord spoke to him and said, Joshua, everywhere that you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And I believe we need to have an attitude like that. We need something on the inside of our spirit that when we move into realms, we are going to create a difference. Yeah, that's right. That the place is going to be changed as a result of us being there. And this is having a heart of faith. This is like when we move into the realm, evil moves out because we are there. The city must be a better place because the church is here. And this is a challenge for us. We have a challenge before us because when the church can, the world can look at the church and the church can see the good works that the church has done, that is what God's looking for. We've all got an assignment. When you go from here today, you've got a purpose. There's being an ordinary, everyday, good believer. But God's raised us up for much more than that. We are here to be a son of God, a daughter of God. And this is the very first line of the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, that's not just someone out there in the universe. When you become a Christian, when you are born of God, it's like the God who is out in the universe and you become one. It's amazing. This was my experience when I first became a Christian. I found it really, really hard to understand God as a father. I think it was because of the religious upbringing I'd had where I thought God was out to get me But this is what I found. God in heaven loves me. He is a true father. And according to the Bible, he laid his own son. He gave his only son for me. You know, if you know this, if this becomes a revelation on the inside of you that Jesus laid his life down for you, nothing can hold you back. But too often it's head knowledge not heart knowledge. But this is what we've got to do. We've got to find our purpose in God. You know, when I first started out, I'm, I'm personally a motivated individual. Not quite as motivated as Remy. I don't know about that. But we got married, got saved and took up marathon running and I was in and committed to the cause. 
But do you know what? I was slightly off track of where God wanted me to go. And God brought me right back to His purpose. My prayer for this, you this morning is that you begin to discover what your assignment is, that you begin to say, this is the job that God's given me. You know, Jesus knew His assignment. Yeah. He said, I only do the things that I see the Father do. Yeah. I only say the things that I hear the Father yeah. say. Yeah. It's like He had Himself aligned under heaven. Yes. And he's looking into the heavens to see what his father's doing for his daily instructions. This is cool. And you know, the more and more you find God's will for your life, the less and less you have to strive to find out what God wants you to do. It's just you get out of bed and Jesus happens. It's amazing. I want you to pray into this. I want you to think like this. God's given me a job. You know, too many Christians are unemployed. And they think, you know, maybe I haven't got a job in the church. Maybe, I'm, you know, they don't accept me or I, I don't feel, you know, that I'm appreciated or something like that. Hey, it's not that. There's only so many jobs. Only so many people can preach. Only so many people can lead the songs. Don't get fussed about it. Yeah. This is not where the action is. That's right. That's right. Believe me, that is where the action is out there. There is a world to reach. Yeah. Yep. There's people to lead to Christ, people to reach. Yeah. Start to get your eyes on what God wants you to do after church. Amen. There are mountains to be taken. There are giants to be killed. There are rivers to be crossed. That's right. That's how it was for Joshua when he looked over into that land. Now I'll say it again. The clearer you can describe your assignment to me, the more purposeful you are going to be. The more your prayers will be answered. Taken me a while to get here, but I feel like I feel like I'm aligned under heaven. Yep. And the more and more aligned under heaven I get, the more dangerous I get to hell. The more reaction. But it's okay. Do you know what? Jesus created a reaction. The more you get aligned with heaven the more reaction you're going to create. I'll tell you why. There's a devil out there does not want you to discover who Jesus really is in you. If we only knew, hey, if we only knew. Number four, I'm going to be really quick. We need a daily functional relationship with the spirit of truth. Let me tell you, Satan's real. The demonic realm is real. Evil is real. But this is what the Bible says about Satan. He is a liar from the beginning. He is the father of all lies. The time we're living in, it's like we are seeing a global avalanche of deception. 
Who can you believe? I don't listen to the news a whole lot more these days, but a little while I went in next door with Grandpa and listened to the news for an hour. I just about need to be delivered again when I came out. (laughs) Be careful what you're listening to. We are living in the midst of a avalanche of deception. It's hitting at every era of society. You've got to know what's going on. Now, this is the answer to it. You know, it's like you've got to pick your battles wisely because you can waste a whole lot of your energy fighting that. What you've got to know is who the Spirit of Truth is. You've got to know Him. When Jesus came into the upper room on the day of Pentecost, He came and filled the church and He came as the Spirit of Truth. Do you know what? Not one of us has got enough of the Spirit of Truth. We all need to guard our heart. We all need to be switched on on the inside. When we step away from the truth, this is a time of incredible deception on the earth. When we step away from the truth, a stronghold in our thinking is a result. Let me say it again. When you step away from the truth, a stronghold in our thinking is a result. I've got some news for you. There's not one person in the room without a stronghold in their thinking that needs to be torn down. Often that can be thoughts about themselves. It can be thoughts about God. It can be thoughts about their husband, their wife. It's like the enemy comes in and he, and he brings us, he says, has God said? And he begins to challenge the truth of God's Word in our life. Right there, we have a little fortress in our mind where God can't move. But this is what the Bible says. Yeah, I'm talking about you. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. but They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, this is how we continually pull down strongholds by loving the truth. What is the truth, really? God, what's your truth on this? There's only one truth, not your truth. Not my truth, the truth. And call this the word of truth and the spirit of truth. I'd pray this every day. God, fill me with the spirit of truth. Guide me in the way of truth. Because do you know what? When you know the truth, you'll be set free. It's John chapter 8. You'll know the truth. Yeah, I think I'm talking to you. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But when we believe the wrong thing about ourselves, it's like the enemy just holds us low. Isn't it amazing? I've seldom seen people in church that think too highly of themselves. Phew. (laughs) 
But I've seen a whole lot of young people who think so low of themselves because what they've been taught. But if you listen to what the Bible says and you begin to not only hear that, but you begin to download it onto the inside, you start to think, wow, God loves me. For God who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead to sin, even when we're dead to sin, made us alive together with Him, seated us with Him in the heavenly places. How's that? Even when we behave like absolute idiots, God did that. He didn't do it because we were a goody-goody and because we sat in the second row next to the pastor. He did it because of His great love and His great mercy. Now He wants to elevate you from being just average to living in this realm. What God's Word says about you, when you begin to realise it, far out. You're a world changer. You're a leader. You're a son of God. Now, even though today you might not feel like that because evil is always on the outside trying to get in. It really is. You know, when, when God was in the throne room in the heavens, Lucifer was trying to bust into his space. Yep. Happens here too. Yep. So when you begin to realise who you are in Christ, you become a world changer. Yep. It's not one person in this room really knows who they are yet. You're still trying to work it out. Still battling the thoughts. Yes. Battling thoughts about yourself. Oh, I'm not good enough. They're better than me. They're God more than me. What ridiculous thinking. What dumb thinking. Don't judge yourself like that. This is what the Bible says to you. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are. Now, this is what you do. You just go in there and get that. I reckon out of this group here, we could see some real world changes. But where the battle is, is in the mind. Mind, you've got a lot of mental Christians. <laughs> Trying to think of it. That's what it says in the Bible, but is that really talking about me? Well, let me tell you about me. God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved me, has raised me up. And together with Him, and I'm seated with Him in the heavenly places. I've got news for the devil. The devil's always saying, who the heck are you? This is your answer. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. I belong to Him. He's created me for good works. I'm seated in the heavenly places. So we've been given authority over evil. Just a couple of points. One of them is the confession of your mouth. Sorry, I did lie to you. I said 20 minutes. (laughs) But I'm only up to 40. (laughs) But this is really important. 
In Numbers 13, the spies were sent out to have a look at, to spy out the land, the land of Canaan, the land of promise. It's speaking about our future. 12 were sent back. 12 were sent in. Two came back with a good report. They said, we are well able, there's giants in the lab, land, there's giants in the land, we're well able to go in and take the land. But about the other 10, do you know what the Bible says? It was an evil report. God used the word evil. Just interesting because see, sometimes we can hang ourselves by what we're believing and saying need to have faith in our heart. One point, we're done. Thanks for your patience. But I want you to really work on this. What's my assignment? What's my part in it? I'd love it for you to be able to tell me. And this is what God's speaking to me about. So number five, four was we need a daily functioning relationship with the Spirit of Truth. And number six, five. I've got two number fives. That's a problem. That was bright, wasn't it? (laughs) To grow in the likeness of Christ, make it your aim to become more like Him. This must be our strongest, strongest desire. In Jesus' name.